Welcome to Big Blend Radio with your hosts, Lisa and Nancy, editors of BigBlendMagazine.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Big Blend Radio's uh, first Monday military show. That means we are chatting with Mike Guardia. Uh, Mike is an award-winning author. He's a military historian and U.S. Army veteran named Author of the Year in 2021 by the Military Writers Society of America. So he's written a gazillion books, over 20, and his latest two are The Combat Diaries, True Stories from the Front Lines of World War II, and the new one is out now. Go get it. Go get it. It is such a good one. Uh, Coyote Recon, The Forgotten Mm -hmm. Wars of Colonel J.D. Vanderpool. Now we're talking about the holidays today. We're going to talk about uh, winter holidays, Christmas, what it's like to uh, celebrate the holidays on the front lines or maybe on duty. We're going to talk about mm-hmm. different wars. We've got to talk about NORAD tracking Santa. We've got a great time uh, ahead of us, but I'm just going to say Coyote Recon and the Combat Diaries. Good Christmas presents. Just go check mm-hmm. it out. Go to MikeGuardia.com. Also find him on Amazon. Welcome back, Mike. How are you? Ladies, I'm rocking and it's always good to see you. We're oh. Jingle Bella rocking. We got snow in our background. <laughs> Jingle bell rock. <laughs> but you really get snow where you up are in uh, Minneapolis, mm. right? So you have, do you yeah. always have a white Christmas? Pretty much. Uh, for as long as I've been here, I don't think I remember a Christmas where there has not been at least a few inches of snow on the ground. So Ooh, wow. all good. Yeah. Did you get wow. hit by that one snow thing going through? Well, that was Buffalo. So I don't know if you got it. Yeah. Well, did. it one day is pretty much like all the others. I mean, when it's snowing up here, so... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Once it starts, it starts. And then do you start yeah. writing? Okay. Is that good uh-huh. writing weather? To, to Oh, it to... is. It is. Yeah. Oh, so what are you working on now? So see, well, I actually got a few different projects in the hopper right now. So let's see. I think at any one time, I'm probably juggling at least two or three. And uh, so what is in the hopper and what uh, audiences can expect over the next year and a half is uh, I am working on a story that focuses on Vietnam at the tactical level. Mm. And in particular, it is a company of combat engineers. And I think this is going to be a good story and in a way kind of a trailblazer because I think all of the traditional histories about Vietnam uh, that are told from the soldier perspective typically tends to focus on the combat infantry, tends to focus you know, on uh, what we traditionally associate with combat arms, but I don't think that the world of combat engineering, you know, um, all of the sappers and demolitions, I don't think that traditionally gets as much coverage as a lot of the other aspects of military operations do. Uh, So I think, uh, I think that's going to be, um, I think that's going to be one that will take readers in a new direction. And then aside from that combat engineering story, uh, also working on, I can't remember if I said this in an earlier podcast or not, but uh, it's looking at the war in Bosnia back in the 90s. Oh. And it's it's actually focusing on the uh, on the small group of counterintelligence agents that the U.S. Army had sent into there. And it was uh, it was a very unique story in the sense that, you know, you had all of these U.S. Army agents who were running these counter intel missions against the Bosnians, against the Serbs, the Croats. And, you know, how they were trying to come to grips with uh, this new thing that was called peacekeeping. Mm. And, you know, this wasn't a war in 
the traditional sense that, you know, we are fighting a conventional enemy, but, you know, we're actually trying to become this amped up police force that's trying to reestablish the peace that was so suddenly lost. And mm. you know, I think I think in a broader sense, um, a, a lot of these veterans that I'm interviewing for this project, they bring a very unique perspective to the table because uh, they were all of the mindset that you, that uh, everything having to do with Yugoslavia that that was like the one point of light behind the Iron Curtain, and a lot of them a lot of them uh, were recalling in pretty exquisite detail the the uh, the 1984 Winter Olympics that had gone on in Sarajevo, and they were mm -hmm. saying you know here we were. 11 years later, and we were recalling all of those great images that we had seen on TV in the 80s of, you know, Sarajevo being this, uh, you know, being this one place that you could truly call a melting pot. And now it's just all gone to hell in a handbasket, mm. uh, you know, yeah. just trying to uh, trying to make sense of, you know, hey, wow, we're all of these ethnic rivalries and ethnic tensions really that bad. And, uh, you know, how mm. do we uh, how do we try to get back to some semblance of peace? projects in the hopper right now it reminds wow. me of Africa because there's so many factions and they have so many cultural differences that from as an outsider you're like oh get over it what a you know why is that such a deep-seated thing to you mm -hmm. not you personally but uh, when you talk to the people one-on-one -on -one, and we've lived with different tribes and we found out it's so deep seated that it's actually hard to go there in your mind that they would harbor these resentments and feuds and ideas century after century, pretty much. Right. And so I feel like, you know, if people could just set down their, I don't know what the right word is, just set it down and try something new like right. leave just get over the past you can't, you can't fix just it. get You're over it gonna, i think that's yeah there's a that's but you a can't fix thing. it you can't change it mm. so how how about try to gently move on try something new and not harbor like it's almost a, as if you inherit anger well, I'm interesting yeah. to hear what they said. I mean, going into peacekeeping mission, like how to mm. how to create peace. Yeah. That's a yeah. I think and yeah. you weren't entirely sure who the enemy was on any given day. It's like, okay, uh, mm -hmm. am I going to focus my attention on the Croats today? Is it the Serbs who are going to be making trouble? Um, you know, and uh, now I have to deal with. So now I don't only have to deal with a lot of these ethnic tensions. I have to deal with uh, a lot of these religious tensions as well, because I mean, goodness, it seems that one set of people are exclusively Christian, Orthodox Christian, no less. And then you have another group of people who are who, who are Muslim. And I'm like, OK, yeah. so we got, you know, we got uh, we got Muslim Serbs yeah. and uh, you know, we have, uh, you know, we have all of these different uh, these uh, social and cultural dynamics. And uh, oh, yeah, we're not uh, we're not getting half of the, we're not getting half of the benefits that we would otherwise get if this was truly declared a combat mission. Mm -hmm. So we don't quite have the priority funding and the, uh, you know, priority, mm -hmm. 
priority equipment that we would otherwise need to be able to do the job as effectively as we think we can. So, wow. 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 That's going to yeah, be a and, good read. And, yeah. And I find it a little bit ironic and a little bit funny at the same time that, uh, you know, they were straddled with this very critical mission uh, right in the middle of those 90s era cuts that we were doing to the defense budget. You know, it was like, okay, well, the Cold oh, War's wow. over, so we're going to slash the military basically mm -hmm. in half. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we're going to brag about how we're turning a budget deficit into a budget surplus. But at the same time, a lot of that surplus is coming from the drastic cuts in military spending. But at the same time we're doing that, we're amping up these operational deployments by a factor of about 400%. So it's that's like- it uh, doesn't, Yeah, who's thinking crazy. at that point? You know, that's really that's, crazy. It, it's kind of interesting now, I mean, some of the cities that just decided to defund the police force, like they're they're not doing so well, and they're like, oh, holy cow, oopsie. Well, and that. you know, we know businesses that are having to get coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. Know, I mean, obviously, it, it, some bad policemen and women out there. Obviously, well, there's some bad. I mean, you're in Minneapolis. Let's not go there. But you know what I mean. There's some tra traumatic things that have happened that are not right. Um, but to throw out an entire force of people that are no. trying to do. So now they're all trying to scramble and fix things. And I mean, we know people, you know, businesses that they're all having to get together and hire security guards that, you know, it's not, it's, it's, um, it, it, and the security guards normally call into the police. If there's an act, they're supposed to mm -hmm. just kind of be the buffer zone mm -hmm. and call it in and be the mm -hmm. front line of like, don't be doing that not being like they can't arrest somebody other than a citizen's arrest right so i think, they, kind of I think a, they can detain but they, can't they can arrest. they can detain arrest kind of move on but they call the police we've done interviews right. on this and so who are you going to call ghostbusters you know <laughs> I'm, I'm all for that if <laughs> we get marshmallows i would love to have a proton pack I do. Oh, it'd be yeah, cool really to have yeah. Ghostbusters in real life like seriously it'd be fun but but yeah i think it's it's interesting i mean what, what you're talking about now, I think it's, it, history repeats itself, right? And I know today we're talking about, you know, the winter holidays on the front line. And I'm thinking about, God, what is it got to be like in Russia for those who are not supporting Putin and everything, right? right? What's it like now in the holiday season and Ukraine? I mean, they're battling energy so much. Mm -hmm. What is holiday? What are the holidays like for them? I mean, it's almost like you just forget it. Mm -hmm. Or do you hold on to, especially a spiritual faith in this, you know? So I'm, I'm just, my heart is out to all those in Ukraine that are just fighting and man, they're badasses, man. They really are like Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Are you watching that every day? Go and check this out. Look what they're doing. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I've been That's... following it pretty closely and uh, yeah, yeah it's, uh, it, it's, no, it, it's still early in the fight and I think Don't that, say that we want it to be done well, now. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I mean, I want it to be done too. Um, but yeah, I, th there's no telling how long exactly this might go on. And, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. we look by the standards of warfare and I think by the standards of warfare, if you're looking at it from an uh, e e Eastern European perspective, you know, it, it's uh it has the potential to draw out longer than most of the commentators and the analysts might otherwise expect. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, one thing that I don't think anyone can deny is, you know, just how incredibly resilient the uh, Ukrainian armed forces and even the Ukrainian people have been. Because, uh, you know, these uh, these same talking heads in the days and weeks that were leading up to the invasion were saying things like, you know, it's probably going to be a cakewalk for the Russians. You know, if you look at the sheer comparative mm-hmm. size, it's mm-hmm. uh, probably not going to last very long. Then you have that added factor in there of, you know, they're both using equipment that's been made by the same manufacturer, generally of the same vintage. You're probably going to have a lot of incidents of fratricide. And uh, yeah, here we are eight months mm-hmm. later, eight or nine months later. Uh, even. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it is it has lasted longer than I think most people had expected by this point. But, you know, to uh, see the gains that the Ukrainians have made and uh, awesome. you know, to, uh, to see just how deep the machine has been running for the propaganda on both sides, uh, it, it, uh, it really just it it, uh, it really just gives you a moment to take pause and say, wow, you know, this, uh, this mm-hmm. is one for the books. If for no other reason, then, you know, you had a, uh, you had an underdog who uh, was given every last thing he could to try to win the fight. And has been making some very, very impressive gains all across the board. You know, when people are fighting for their freedom, I think that it's all on the line. There's no holding no back. And then you have the other side, and I, you know, from what I've read of the Russian soldiers, half of them didn't want to go there anyway. Right. You know, some of them are deserting. In fact, a lot of them mm-hmm. are deserting. So they didn't, their heart's not in it because some of them are actually related right. to the Ukrainians. So it's, it's a big mess. And so mm-hmm. it's really, a, it's, it's so political. It's just so um, wrong. wrong on every side from but i mean isn't russia breaking laws on this in a way even even if ukraine doesn't doesn't gain their freedom this time they will not stop trying they won't they're going to do it again and again and again until they're successful and it might take a lot of time or it might be in a few months you don't know but eventually russia will fail Mm-hmm. because they're on the bad side, the wrong side. Even the Russian people don't like their leader. Uh-oh. <laughs> but, I mean, some of them might, but not so many. They don't, we'll they want their freedom too. Yeah. It, yeah, you can't, yeah, it is. It's, there's, there's someone, it's, it's a, it's like, it feels like World War II happening all over again. You know, and that's yeah. Let's let's go mm-hmm. there. Um, you've got okay. World War Two. You've got you've right. got your your two children's books. So this uh-huh. is something everyone. It's snowing in Hawaii. Come on, go get that. <laughs> that's yeah. it. And World War Two, Night Before Christmas. Um, mm. tell us a little bit about that book again. I know we've talked about it over the years, but it's always such a good you know reminder mm-hmm. of, you know, it's a good way to teach kids about war, right? And just you know sacrifices. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I'm not quite sure when or how I got the idea, but uh, you know, for a long time, I have been a tremendous fan of the original poem, you know, The Night Before Christmas, mm. and uh, was always something that I enjoyed, whether I had read it in a book, whether it, it had been read aloud to me, or whether or not I had seen 
some kind of TV rendition of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just always thought that it was very cheery and something that really embodied the entire spirit of Christmas. And I want to say, I want to say I was around maybe six or seven. I think the first time that I saw a, um, I think that was the first time that I saw a satirical rendition of the poem. And mm. uh, and then I, I caught on to the fact that there were several of all of these different renditions that were made to parody the original. And a lot of them had taken on a variety of themes, you know, like, for instance, there was one that was called Texas Night Before Christmas, where, you know, Santa, instead of having a sled and his eight tiny mm. reindeer, he has a covered wagon. It's being pulled by all these <laughs> longhorns. And then let's see, there was a Louisiana <laughs> Cajun. on the side. Yeah, yes. Right. <laughs> and then there was the Cajun night before Christmas, where he's okay. actually being pulled, pulled by a team of Louisiana alligators. I and, love it. Uh, yeah. And he, 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 he is doing Christmas on the bayou. And, uh, mm, you know, there cool. were so many of all of these parodies out there. I said, well, you know what? Um, I really think that there should be one that has to do with World War II. But then I started thinking to myself, okay, well, do I have enough creative horsepower to get a poem on paper that, you know, that is true to the original format without sounding too far-fetched? And, you know, I did pretty much the same thought process that I did with it's snowing in Hawaii and I just got out the legal pad and you know I started scribbling down some notes I'm like okay well if I'm going to do this if I'm if I'm going to put Santa Claus sometime in World War II then maybe it would be fitting for him to be in a place you know that is indicative of a of a a typical winter climate so I could put him in Europe I could put him in the European theater and that's when it hit me hey you know maybe I can put him right smack dab in the middle of the Battle of the Bulge. And I can put the whole uh, concept of Santa Claus and Christmas and standing for the spirit of goodwill and being on the side of what's right. I can put that against the backdrop of us in our ideological struggle against the Nazis and mm-hmm. how we were essentially fighting for freedom and uh, fighting for all those things that we hold near and dear to ourselves. And I can say, okay, well, if I can put Santa in that and he can visit the troops on the front line, he can somehow be a reminder of all things that are good and all things that we will keep on fighting for and that mm-hmm. Santa will reward those who fight the good fight. Mm-hmm. And that was, um, gosh, I want to say it was probably a day or two later that I had that first draft complete. And, uh, you know, I knew that once I had the draft complete, um, I could always rely on Mel Stevens to take all of those images and put them with an artistic flair. And yeah, just like on, uh, yeah, just like on everything else she's done, she, uh, you know, she has made it, uh, she has made it a, a, a solid artistic rendition of what Santa Claus would have looked like had he visited the troops on the mm-hmm. front lines in 1944. It's cool. And the, oh. and the illustrations are awesome in both books. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing is the kids want to see that. And you, you're a dad, you know, like if you're of reading course. a bedtime story and you don't have pictures in the beginning, well, yeah. you know, you want to have, it helps <laughs> create the sparks of imagination. You know what I mean? Right. And I'm sorry, I still like pictures in my books. Well, yeah. 
<laughs> I'm not gonna, you know, not gonna lie about that. But I think that's so cool that you did that because then it opens that dialogue about what World War One and Two was, right? Huh? So, you know, how did your daughters react with your books? Do you still read? They really them? liked it. Oh yeah. Yeah. So um, they were really too young at that point to understand the whole concept behind World War II and the Nazis, but mm -hmm. uh, they did understand that these were soldiers who were fighting the bad guys. And that, you know, Santa Claus was taking time to reward those people who fight for the good causes. And uh, yeah, they, they really liked it. And as they got a little bit older, that's when they started to get more switched on to the concept of who the Nazis were and why mm -hmm. we were fighting World War II. And that really took on a much deeper dimension for them. And awesome. yeah, it, is still, it is still still a book that they love. It's a fine line, awesome. you know, because you don't want to scare kids. Right. You want to inform, but in a gentle way. So it's it's a tricky thing. And I think you did a really good job yeah. with that because yeah. it is tricky when you think about it. You don't want to, oh, the night before Christmas, here comes the Nazis, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? It will yeah. scare your kids to death. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Yeah, it's a, I think you did a good job with that yeah. because it it's not an easy thing to inform in a gentle way, but not scare. Mm -hmm. So when we think about families over the holidays, you know, like World War II, let's go to World War II. Mm -hmm. We're talking about that. So, you know, you've got, you know, the soldiers on the front lines mm -hmm. and you've got the families back home. So that had to be different. I was reading something today. I think it was put out by the World War II Museum in New Orleans about how there was a Christmas tree shortage and, mm -hmm. you know, how, you know, they, just how they had to just change how Christmas was, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? But what, what happens on the front lines to the soldiers who have different, you know, beliefs? I mean, do they even get to celebrate or think that way? Or is it just full on war? Because... As I read over history, there's been a lot of battle, actual battles on Christmas and Christmas Eve. Right. It's not like yeah. everybody just stopped. Some did. Mm -hmm. There's stories of peace between people going, let's mm -hmm. celebrate right. tonight together. Yeah. And then some going, you know, screw you, I'm going to get you just when you think you could celebrate. So right. how has that happened in wars? I mean, I know each one's different, but is it just according to how the war is going and how you're going to, it's going to ignore it or move on? Well, I, I think there are a lot of different factors at work. You know, I think um, one is that, yeah, if you are in the middle of a combat zone, that is typically what your mind is going to be gravitating towards. And, you know, you, uh, you really have to focus on the mission. But at the same time, you know, you are going to be cognizant that it is the holiday season and you are going to be cognizant that it is Christmas time. So uh, you can celebrate for as much as the mission parameters will allow you to do. And, you know, there, there will probably be no strict guidance for exactly how you could or you couldn't celebrate. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it could be something as monumental as what happened on the front lines back in 1914 when they when, when they had the Christmas truce and for one day out of that entire season they took a break from fighting each other to actually come out in the trenches and and, uh, and celebrate Christmas to the, yeah celebrate Christmas together <clears throat> excuse me 
Wow. You know, and hmm. you know, it, it could also be something as uh, you know, it, it could also be something as small as you know, hey, we have a soldier in a foxhole, and uh, you know, he knows it's Christmas. So what he does is he you know gathers some branches to 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 uh, to to try to make a wreath, or maybe he has a little Christmas tree uh, right there with him. Or, you know, if, if you want to take another example, you know, um, there was a uh, uh, there was a unit. Actually, there were quite a few units who did this in World War Two. If we look at the uh, Pacific War campaign, you know, you'll have uh, you'll have a uh, you'll have a Christmas Eve or a Christmas Day celebration happen on one of those Sandspit Islands. And you'll have a Marine Corps chaplain. You'll, you'll have a Navy chaplain who is, you know, giving a uh, giving a service to the soldiers and uh, trying to get a try to get a Christmas dinner going for as mm-hmm. much as their rationed resources will allow or mm-hmm. you know even if you want to take a more recent example um, when I was interviewing when I was interviewing a handful of veterans for Days of Fury and the Fires of Babylon when they were deployed to Saudi Arabia in in uh, in, in the holiday season of 1990 you know you had uh, you had a number of them you know uh, actually secure a, a turkey dinner uh, we're right there on wow. the front line and mm-hmm. uh you know, i'll never forget uh, i'll never forget another story that uh quite a few of the troopers confirmed that hr mcmaster when he was a young captain when he was making the rounds to all of his troops on the uh on the front lines there on uh, christmas day 1990 he had a uh, he had a little christmas tree on the dashboard of his humvee and mm-hmm. was driving around with a santa cap on so yeah. Yeah. It's and, cool. yeah. what, what about if you don't celebrate Christmas, the holiday season. like if you're Jewish and you're celebrating Hanukkah or uh, different because there's different winter celebrations right. according to your religious belief. Uh-huh. Um, what are you I mean, what happens then? I mean, you know, our friends that are Jewish of Jewish faith, they go, heck, we're going to do Hanukkah, but we're still celebrating Christmas because you get a lot right. more. They all have good food. Do a lot both. of good food, no matter what, right? But um, of course. you know, now we've got Kwanzaa, so it, you know, does the military try to incorporate all these different religious beliefs? Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. So, 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 so let's see. Um, if we wind the clocks back about ten years to when I was still on active duty, um, yeah, they always made allowances for any soldier of any faith. If there was a particular holiday that they celebrated, whether it was Hanukkah, whether it was Kwanzaa. You know, they always made somewhat of an effort to make sure that that soldier felt included. Uh, you know, they would always be excused from duty if there was a, uh, you know, if, if there was some kind of a religious celebration that uh, that 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 they wanted to celebrate. And uh, yeah, you know, um, I, I remember that even though Christmas really was the driving force, um, you know, there were always uh, there were always allowances made for Hanukkah. And, uh, you know, there were always, um, you always had a few of the more culturally competent commanders, you know, say, uh, well, okay, you know, hey, we're going to have a Christmas get together. Um, but while we were all in the company room, you know, while everyone was exchanging these Christmas gifts, mm-hmm. if there were one or two Jewish soldiers in the company, you know, they would get something like a menorah, or they would get some type of gift that was representative of whatever faith they practiced so mm-hmm. and yeah. then adam sandler came out and sings put on your yarmulke here comes Hanukkah." <laughs> <Right. laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I still love that song i'm sorry it, it is hysterical i love that you know oh, yeah but that 
and then thanksgiving is that i know we passed thanksgiving but still isn't right. that kind of still try to do something with that oh yeah yeah of course um let's see i remember all the years that i was in there was always some type of thanksgiving celebration and you know uh what what happened in a lot of the units that i served in was that you would have the unit leadership uh typically anyone from the brigade commander all the way down to battalion and company commanders, they would actually get dressed up in the classiest uniforms that they had, which for us, us at the time were the dress blues. And they would go to the mess hall and they would actually serve turkey from behind the counter. You know, the soldier mm -hmm. would come up, they nice. would put their plate down in front of them and they would serve turkey. They would serve the turkey and all the fixings as you would go down the line. And, you know, it would be your, it would be your battalion or your brigade commander that was there, they were mm -hmm. wearing that full dress uniform. And they, of course, would have a little hairnet on too and say, hey, here you go, soldier. Happy Thanksgiving. With a nice. hairnet on. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, that's, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's really cool because you don't see that as much. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, I know that we, you know, over the uh, years on the shows, we've talked about what people do, the civilians and families trying to get right. things over. Mm -hmm. So does yeah. that happen to you get like cookies and, and things like that? Of course. Oh, well, that's mm -hmm. good because, you know, you mm -hmm. can't have Christmas without chocolate and cookies and, you know, yeah. all that good Christmas cake, fruit cake. Everybody needs a fruit cake. And you know. don't forget the knitted socks. And don't forget <laughs> Nancy's rum balls. Nancy makes the best rum balls and everybody's smiling the once they Christmas bite into sweaters. it. Yes, ugly, the ugly, ugly Christmas, Christmas sweaters. sweaters. Yeah, absolutely. With the socks. <laughs> yeah, well, it is. You've got to think about, you know, you're serving and, and, and you know, there are all these different beliefs and they all fall mm -hmm. on different days, but they're all kind of similar. I think they all involve light. Mm -hmm. The winter holidays always involve lighting candles, twink twinkly lights are nice, you know, mm -hmm. um, but then there's also the light of fire, which is, you know, maybe right. not, you know, that's when it's at wartime, you know, yeah. so th that's a, that's a hard <sighs> thing. What about going way back when, like, you know, in civil war and stuff, did they still try to do something, do you think, in, in those times? Right. There was always an awareness of it. And I think in a broader sense, there was always um, there was always a tiny celebration if they could, even if it was even if it was something as even if it was something as simple as maybe just a 10 minute prayer session or maybe mm -hmm. an abbreviated 25 minute Christmas mass, you know, there, mm -hmm. there was always some type of, if not a full on celebration, then there would at least be some kind of a recognition that that would be going on. And mm -hmm. yeah, it, it was, uh, yeah, it, it was something that I think was really ingrained in the culture. And at the same time, you know, it, it also uh, it also gave us as as Americans a chance to take what the longstanding traditions had been for fighting on Christmas and really turn those on its head. Because one of the things that really stands out in my mind, if you take it as a point of reference, would be the Battle of Trenton. Because you know, here you were, we were, you know, we we at the time were the Continental Army. And we were fighting uh, not only against the British, but the British had also hired German mercenaries. So we were fighting both the British and the Germans at the same time. Wow. It's kind of ironic mm -hmm. because you yeah. fast forward 200 years later, it's, it's a completely mm -hmm. different picture. But uh, you know, they were they were stationed at, at a garrison in Trenton, and the longstanding tradition 
among all these civilized armies in the Western world at that time was that you do not fight on Christmas at all. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like once you hit the 24th of December, that's it, you start shutting down, you take mm -hmm. a break of at least a day to, you know, help, help celebrate Christmas time, help, uh, you know, help, help, mm -hmm. help celebrate the birth of Jesus. And then after that's over, then you can start fighting again. Well, <laughs> George Washington being who he was, not a guy who was, a, who was afraid to break tradition and being a hmm. guy who was not afraid to think outside the box said, well, if everybody's gonna be standing down on Christmas time, that's probably when they're going to be at their lowest state of readiness. So you know what, let's uh, go ahead and break tradition for the sake of wartime expediency. I'll ask for forgiveness from God later. And mm -hmm. I will try yeah. to get the element of surprise to a point where the uh, to where the both the British and the German mercenaries might not recover from it. And cross he, he was crossing the Delaware River. As a matter of fact, that's where that iconic picture comes from. Mm -hmm. Washington standing in a boat going across the yeah. river with these icebergs in there. Right, right. right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So once they make it to the other side of the river, that's when they open up with that surprise attack. And uh, yeah, the um, that entire enemy garrison there, they never knew what hit them. And yeah. it was a, uh, yeah, so that Bam. was a, uh, that's Sneak probably attack. the biggest data point that I can say, okay, this is where, or th th this is like one of the key elements to where Americans really had adopted a new way of thinking and brought that forward. into strategy. No, and now we have fireworks. No, we call it sneak right. attack. It's sneak called attack. sneak yes. attack. Yeah, really, sneak <laughs> attack. And, you know, it's it's interesting in doing that because it is like, you know, sneak attack, go get you. But also, I wonder about like fireworks, you know, I know, uh, you know, Asia, you know, that fireworks are always a big deal, but I don't know. I mean, even living in Mexico, fireworks are huge. That was a big, that was a big you know, deal. Down but I always think it kind of goes from, you know, wartime, you know, there mm -hmm. cannons going off and all of that mm -hmm. kind of thing that um, it's a little different. It's not necessarily cheery, but um, it's a little a bit different. celebration of fighting for your rights and your freedom. You know, so when you look at the or look at the words of the Star Spangled Banner, you know, bombs bursting in air, that's fireworks. It's mm -hmm. a simulation of that. To right. say we fought for our freedom and we're going to keep doing it no matter how many times we have to do it. Mm. And also we've got Boxing Day in England. So that's right. when everybody sits there and this is, you know, the, another war. You bought me the wrong gift and they throw their boxes around and, you know, box each other with their gift boxes. Just saying, I know that's not what it is. I just... <laughs> I, boxing day come on it's like we don't have boxing day here no we always because have that extra day the 26th was boxing day that was the boxer revolution or something i don't know what the boxing, british, I have to go back and it's remember british, it's british history the boxer Re revolution. we'll have to ask glenn yeah yeah i don't know do you know what boxing day is about mike i know they celebrated in canada too oh yeah it's a british, it? yeah it's a british ah. thing yeah it's, I think it's they put all their box, their gift boxes in the trash. <laughs> yeah, but that's not really what Jack it Dempsey comes started from. it. I don't know. But, you no. know, it's, it's, it's. Sure, we'll go with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah Jack Dempsey. No, that would like, be the cool know, definition of it. I mean, that would that be That would cool be cool. Message. Jack Dempsey is cool. You know, it was cool. That's but, not what but, it is. So then, okay, NORAD, let's talk about NORAD. <laughs> sure. This is, yeah. this is so cool because it was, you know, it was a kid calling in. The wrong number right and then all of a sudden like the military said okay because they 
say who explain who NORAD is because this is like our watchdog, right? Right. So NORAD is an acronym for North American Air Defense, mm -hmm. and uh, those are your eyes in the sky. They are they are are the ones who are responsible for defending our airspace and you know not only to not only to guard against enemy aircraft but also to guard against any incoming missiles that uh, you know that may that may pose a threat to us and yeah they uh, they have radar stations that can see farther than God knows what and yeah they have a 24-hour monitoring presence and they also have uh, they also have uh, they also have real-time <laughs> access to a lot of our strategic weapons, you know, so that uh, oh, wow. in case of a nuclear attack, it can either be countered or we can send a where we can send return fire to what whatever return address is uh, is shooting at us in the first place. So yeah, just imagine. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm gonna say this, and I know I know I'm gonna date myself when I do, but there are probably a <laughs> good number of viewers and listeners out there who are familiar with an old movie called War Games, you know, with Matthew Broderick? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I know Matthew movie? Broderick, but I don't think I've seen War Games. <laughs> and it just got more awkward, okay. No, um, <laughs> no, well, no, wait. They listen, uh, no, we'll wait, have to like, look it up and see it and no, watch it. We've probably okay. seen well, it. I mean, well, yeah, I, so, um, 83, <laughs> and th th this was before Broderick became an international superstar with Ferris Bueller but uh so he plays this teenage hacker and uh you know he he, he ends up playing this game right that's on like this early online server or 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 whatever it is and uh he's actually routing it through all of the computer networks at NORAD and they, oh, they do that this game is real yeah they end up thinking the game is real and that like the Russians are are, are, are going to be launching nukes and and stuff so yeah, wow. it's pretty. Oh, we need yeah, to watch that. I yeah, remember something to, a little bit, but yeah, yeah we need please, to watch it on Christmas. Now I have to watch yeah. Bueller, yeah. Ferris Bueller all over again. I have to. Yeah. So um. Okay. Yeah, but. <laughs> Norad. Yeah. So they are the guys who are, in the broadest sense, really just responsible for defending American mm -hmm. airspace. Yeah. So they can see Santa and the Rangers coming in. Yes, well, yeah, did. because the little girl called them. Mm -hmm. There was like a misprint and an ad, a Christmas ad mm -hmm. or something, or she was trying to call, was she trying to call Santa or something? And she got the wrong number. And then the guy on the other end of the line <laughs> realized it and decided to tell her they're tracking Santa, right? Am I getting this straight? Like a little... I think that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. Like a little girl called and then... Well, a little fuzzy you know, on the history of how it started, but yeah. Yeah, I've, it was uh, a little girl calling in. Right. 19 I know it's in the 1950s she's all like I want my teddy bear yeah yeah I remember <laughs> I remember and doing that when you first learned how to use a phone and then I learned how to do international oh, calls and boy did I get don't. in trouble and don't. our rotary phone too yes so. no, yes remember no. when we had operators she, years no, ago no you I don't did know. it from a hotel Talk about dating myself back mm. no Lisa <laughs> made phone calls from a hotel and then I got this bill. no that was that was your one employee. That was not me. And both it was of her. you. I sat there and said, Nancy's going to kick your butt. And mm -hmm. she still did it. And then, you know, but I, because I did it as a kid. Oh I gosh. called my grandma in America it. from South Africa. See? And Which is okay. 
with permission, heads up. Dude, this was in like what? Like name? All right. Anyway, let's not date so myself way back when, but I did okay. have to use. Yeah, um, but it was mm -hmm. it was a way, it was way back when. But <laughs> NORAD. So the little kid calls in, and he he you know whoever answered from NORAD realizes the little girl's trying to find Santa's got it wrong. So he pretended that they're watching Santa. This is who mm -hmm. you know, and then it was one call after the other because it was printed in a like a but it's cool newspaper or something like that so then it just it's and cool. to this day i know it's like millions it, it happens they have a hotline you can call i it. know but mm -hmm. i think it's really cool because it it it's decreases fun. that separation that mm -hmm. shouldn't be there between people who are fighting for us and the people who are benefiting from the people who are fighting for us see see even, it you know it's like magic and that there's a thing to that i think you know we've got the, this religious side of, of jesus being born mm -hmm. and then at yeah. the same time the christmas trees and all that adds this element of magic and there's something magical about snow and the twinkly lights and all of that yeah. so norad it just Great. adds that little belief of Santa. going beyond right and i think mm -hmm. that's something you know also for those who are fighting it brings that extra bit of hope and positive. You know what I mean? Like if you're out there in the front lines, I mean, imagine being in Vietnam, like they don't care if you're celebrating Christmas, you know? Right. No. I mean, if you're in a POW camp, they really don't care, do they? Like it's just, no. you're just going to have to no. celebrate Jesus in, on your own, you know? Right. So that's mm -hmm. a, yeah, because they're not even, you no, know, you ain't getting anything, right? Because that's, you're why you, and, that's, that's why you look to the stars and you see a falling star and you see shooting stars and you see constellations. That's why people look up to the sky. Mm. When yeah. things go down, they look up, mm. they go, oh, mm. I sound like Hillary Clinton. That it was, that wasn't, no, like, no, that wasn't <laughs> didn't mean to do that, but I'm just saying, you know, sometimes when things get bad, you have to look at nature to recover. Mm. And twinkly lights. And now I want hot chocolate with marshmallows. Well, of course. What's your favorite, Mike, for holidays? Uh, wow, I have to pick just one. <laughs> no, no, you can have okay. two. It's it's Christmas okay. season. You can you can All have right. as much as you want. <laughs> okay. Well, let's see. Um, probably my favorite, pound for pound, would be the pumpkin pie, and mm -hmm. I won't limit it to just the pumpkin pie. I, I'd say there's a. Uh, it's a three-way tie for first place because you can't just limit yourself to one flavor of pie on the holidays. Mm -hmm. It has to be pumpkin pie. Has to be, then it has to be followed up with a pecan pie. Yes. And then, yes, and then, and then apple. Now, uh, cherry's good. I just don't really think it fits with the whole theme of the season. I would prefer the cherry being a cobbler than a pie. You but, want for spring? Okay, yeah. you could do that. You could yeah. have a cobbler. Okay, so I would I'd take go, three vote for slices the pecan of pecan pie. pie instead of the apple and the cherry. I would have three slices of pecan pie. Wow, you go, girl. I know. And I found out that, yeah, and I, <laughs> I actually found out once I lived outside of Texas that there are a lot of other folks in the country who pronounce it pecan. Yeah, pecan. No, see, when we were in Texas, we had a, mm -hmm. a bed and breakfast lady talk That's about. So funny. Pecans. She's like, it's pecan. pecan. Like very pecan. Her accent pecan. was very pecan. pecan. And I said, it's not pecan. Because I've always, she goes, no, that means you're peeing in a can. You don't go around saying that. 
and I was like, okay, because you didn't yeah. do that. You know, it was like this very la di da accent, and we—I mean, she nailed it. Was I, even during her, it was during her interview. She just like, you don't say that, and I'm like, okay, are you from England now? But um, yeah, no, it's a pecan. Mm. But they grow all over. New Mexico's really got a lot of pecans too. Mm -hmm. that, that's a that's a hub for that, and Georgia, and I, I'm allergic to them now. So my really? life sucks because yeah. that's my favorite pie of all time is pecan this, pie. There's an acid oh. in the skin of, mm. of nuts. There's a little but bit But once in a while I'll have it. I'm not bad. It's just you can't have a full slice. A you can have a little bit. So mm. have you had a pecan praline, like a praline thing in, in Louisiana? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So everybody have happy pie over the holidays. Mm -hmm. I don't care what you believe in. You can eat it. <laughs> you can mm -hmm. eat it, right? It's a and celebration. Listen, and latkes, we can have that over over Hanukkah. We celebrate mm -hmm. with that. We're not Jewish, but we'll eat those and celebrate. I <laughs> I I really agree that we should all celebrate each other's holidays and celebrations. I think that's well, fun. And it's we get good to, to go sample the food and learn about the culture and history of of other people so that you're not scared of them, insecure with them, so that you can relax and go, oh, they're actually just like us. They just believe this and we believe that and so what? Mm -hmm. No Enjoy reason it. to fight. Mm -hmm. Let them yep. have their belief and let you have your belief as long as we're not hurting anybody. In theory, that all works. Mm -hmm. In theory, in right, theory. Mike? You know, if, if you know, if Dad sees what she says works, then it, we wouldn't have to have a military, would we? <laughs> I mean, I, think, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I think you always have to be ready. Like animals always are on the guard. They, mm -hmm. it's not that they always have to be on guard, but the time they're not. When was happened. the first military formed? Like, who oh, formed the military? Who said this is? I mean, every. I mean, you've got to think. You know, back in the day, tribal-wise, we'd all have our scrimmages and everything. Was uh, no, who, I mean, yeah. Who start? Who said, okay, you have to have a military uniform? I think These, Napoleon. The, the, I mean, well, yeah, that's. Well, if if we're talking about like the first beginnings of like the formalized militaries, I mean, we can trace that all the way back to the ancient Indians, ancient Chinese, and even the Greeks. Um, you know, it was basically. Uh, what today we would consider the Middle Kingdom, um, hmm. you know, that, that's where I think you really start to see the first rumblings of it, you know, uh, and it, you uh, you see all of those elements of people being trained according to a specific body of science to defend either a, hmm. a king or or uh, you know, defend uh, an area that has been that has been assigned to a particular tribe, you know. Yeah, look so, at Chaka Zulu, dude. Right. Mm -hmm. Dude, you. I still, I still think he's one of the best. He, he was a he's, badass. He's, he was cool. He was cool. Well, happy holidays and Merry Christmas, Mike, to you and your All girls right, and, and family. Christmas to you ladies as well. Let's go Thank get you. pecan pie and cocoa and. Mango. I know. I really want pecan pie. It's I ever know. since Ghost. Yeah. I can't say Ghostbusters without getting a craving, instant craving for marshmallows. It's just like right. instant. Yeah. Uh -huh. Dude. All right, everyone, keep up with Mike at MikeGuardia.com. He's on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. That's the thing of the year, right, Mike? And mm -hmm. um, next year, we get to see you in, on the History Channel again, right? We've got to give yes, people 
That's awesome. right. And that's so cool. see him on there. Yeah. Very exciting. And of course, go get Coyote Recon, The Forgotten Wars of Colonel J. D. Vanderpool. I'm also going to say The Combat Diaries. Um, mm-hmm. Just really both books, all of them. How more, all, how many books now? Now that actually 2023? 24. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ah, all right. Yeah. We can go hang out with Jack Power now. Yeah. All right. 24, everybody. Go, go get it. MikeGuardia.com is on Amazon. Keep up with us at BigBlendRadio.com. We are here with Mike every first Monday. So Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays, everybody. Peace. All right.